On this edition of the Marcus Walsh Show, we're talking plenty of football in the high school, college, and NFL ranks. Top teams have plenty of predictions. A PGA Tour Championship update. KD standing in Brooklyn. A look at baseball standings. And a brainstorming session with Kevin and I. Plus, much more. It's time to crank it up on the Marcus Walsh Show. And it starts right now. Clear the mechanism. South Carolina high school sports can have 100 games on any given night, and that's 500 officials. Make the right call. Become a high school official. Be the difference maker in your community that your community needs. Visit highschoolofficials.com for more information. Welcome in to the Marcus Wall Show. I should say again, welcome in to the Marcus Wall Show on this Saturday, and tell you what, it is definitely time, as I say, in the open to crank it up because we've got a lot of stuff going on here in the uh, next couple of days for sure. Cranking it up with the college football start of the season. And what a start it is because we've got games going on right now. And currently, Nebraska is ahead over Northwestern, that game being played in Dublin. Got more games to follow. Kevin and I will be talking college football predictions as well as NFL predictions and some not necessarily high school predictions from my end of things, but what I'm looking to see with some of the top teams because I'm going to be calling a bunch of games starting in the next couple of weeks. Marcus Walsh with you here from the Dude Pad. And uh, thanks for joining me. Been a while, and uh, been been going through some some things. Been a little bit under the weather, but getting back into the swing of things. Getting back, and tell you what, it's just looking outside my window here at the Beach and Tennis Resort on Hilton Head. It is a gorgeous day. Been uh, doing a lot indoors with things, but definitely plan on getting out and. Have some laundry to do because I'm going to be hitting the road again later on this week, uh, upcoming. So that and you know high school, the NFL talk and certainly college talk. All of that coming up with Kevin here shortly, as he'll join me in a few minutes. We also have baseball standings to talk about and uh, a little bit of baseball brainstorming as well to talk about. And so. Lots to discuss, and uh, again, the first time doing this edition of the show and uh, having the show go on the air in the last few weeks or so. So thanks for joining us, and without further ado, we'll dive into the PGA Tour Championship update, and I tell you what. There is some crazy stuff going on right now with the top 30 players in the PGA Tour battling in East Lake in Atlanta. Scotty Scheffler currently with the lead at 19 under. He tees off at 4 o'clock this afternoon. Xander Shoffley just two back teeing off as well at 4 o'clock. Those two will be playing together. Uh, John Rahm and Sung J.M. are third and fourth. 13-under and 12-under. John Rahm playing with Patrick Cantlay, 
who is also at 12 under, tied for fourth. Uh, Sung J M is going to be suiting up with Joaquin Neiman, Rory McIlroy, Tom Hoagie, 10 under, 9 under, a bunch at 9 under, uh, Cam Young, Max Homa, and then Matthew Fitzpatrick, Justin Thomas, Sepp Straka, Justin Thomas, a big guy to look out for, Aaron Wise as well, teeing off uh, here in just mere moments as of the time that we are recording. Guys that have already been out on the course today, it's uh, J.T. Poston, Jordan Spieth, Cam Smith, Colin Morikawa, Tony Finau, Hideki Matsuyama, Brian Harmon, Victor Hovland, Sam Burns, Billy Horschel, K. K. Lee, I think it's K. J. Lee, I believe, um, Stevens, or rather, uh, Stallings, Corey Connors, Adam Scott, and Saith Thigala, all currently underway in their rounds. The interesting thing about the Tour Championship is that you have the best players obviously getting a big-time advantage with strokes. For instance, Scotty Scheffler, top player, started off at 10-under. Patrick Cantlay was at 8-under going into the action on Thursday, and he's picked up a couple of strokes. But with this format, it's always interesting to see who's on the top and the thing that is also very interesting is taking a look at how they do on Thursday. And Scotty Scheffler has been the player of the year in a lot of regards for a long, long portion of this season. And I tell you what, he is looking very strong again, posting nine under so far this weekend. It's going to be really interesting and. They're, of course, going, and I mentioned the top 30. The 30th player, who was also very high up in the uh, in the strokes that were given for this tournament, was, of course, Will Zalatoris, who won a couple of weeks ago for the first time this season. And Patrick Cantlay was able to be victorious last week. And then Will Zalatoris, of course, had to back out because of some back issues, not only from this tournament, but he is also not playing in the upcoming President's Cup, unfortunately. So he's going to have to uh, take a little bit of time off, and and we'll see what happens with that down the stretch and with him. But he's going to be a major force for years to come, and I've been talking about it ever since... I found out about him on the Corn Ferry Tour. He's a heck of a golfer, and there are a lot of great golfers in this tournament and so many of the other tournaments that we've seen. We're going to be seeing golfers playing a lot more because of the changes with the PGA Tour, having more guys play more tournaments, up to 20 tournaments a year, um, which will give them a little bit more of a leg up, certainly monetarily, to keep up with what Liv is doing, but as well just to give them more time to be out working on their craft and and truly representing the PGA Tour in a in a very good light. So some big time changes coming at the peak this week from Jay Monahan and company, 
And uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how the next day or so go. And then for sure, how things end up coming up in uh, in the off season, which will just be a couple of weeks before they start the new year of 2022-23. So we'll keep you abreast for sure on on what's going on in the world of golf as it continues. Next, definitely want to talk uh, some MLB, but first I'll mention Kevin Durant. Kevin staying put in Brooklyn, I didn't think that was going to happen. They're bringing the, the whole crew back, KD and Kevin and, uh, and company. Um, I'm sorry, KD and Kevin. I mean uh, Kevin or KD and Kyrie. Kyrie coming on back. So it's going to be really interesting with with Ben Simmons. You know, how is he going to stay healthy? How's his mind going to work? Uh, how's he going to be ready for this next season? And speaking of mind working, saying that about Kyrie Irving for a long time. Kevin Durant, you know, as long as he stays healthy physically, he's obviously committed for for a while for the Brooklyn Nets. Surprisingly, he could have gone to Memphis. Talks of that were happening. He could have gone to Philadelphia. Talks were happening there. He could have gone really just about anywhere. Miami talks were happening at some point during this offseason. He decides to stay in Brooklyn. I'm a little bit surprised. But it's, it's sure that Brooklyn and Philadelphia are going to be battling like crazy to try to have the top spot in the East. You can't, in my opinion, count out Milwaukee. And, you know, there, there are other teams certainly that have done great things. Just look at what the Boston Celtics did during their playoff run and and last year. You can't count them out either. Um, So we'll see how the East ends up uh, faring and and doing. And speaking of big players making big moves, the Seattle Mariners, who are taking on the Cleveland Guardians this week, goodness gracious, they just did something very, very good for their organization and for Julio Rodriguez – and made a huge deal to sign Julio Rodriguez. He's going to be staying in Seattle from anywhere for the next 12 to 18 years with this ginormous deal that was signed. And good for them, good for him, young kid that has a lot of potential for sure in uh, in Seattle. And in Major League Baseball, it's a it's a big big deal, and you know I've been listening to the games this week, and they're comparing you know him, Stephen Kwan, a bunch of other guys uh, as some of the best. Adley Rushman for Baltimore, possibly as Rookie of the Year candidates. Take a look at the standings real quick. In the East, the New York Yankees, still the top dog by 8.5 over Tampa Bay. 
New York at 78 and 48, Tampa Bay at 69 and 56, Toronto 68 and 56, Baltimore 66 and 59, they're still over 500, and the Boston Red Sox, sorry Kev, might have to mention this to him later, 17 games out, they're in last place at 61 and 65, Cleveland hanging on to first place at 66 and 58, Minnesota three games back at 63 and 61, Chicago Four games back, 63 and 63 at a 500 record. Kansas City at 51 and 76, and Detroit continues to lose. 48 and 78, 30 games under 500, and 19 games under, or 19 games in back of Cleveland. In the West, how the West will be won? Well, doesn't look like Seattle or anybody else is catching Houston. Houston at 81 and 46. Uh, Seattle is at 69 and 57, looking to get one of those wild card spots. Texas at 58 and 67, under 500. As is LA, 53 and 73. And as is Oakland, at 46 and 81. And yes, I've said it before and I will again, they still need a new stadium. They are 35 games in back of Houston in the West. Ouch. The New York Mets. Give me the Mets. 81 and 46, leading the way by two games over Atlanta at 79 and 48. Philadelphia 71 and 55, they are hanging around nine and a half back. Miami at 54 and 71, and Washington at 42 and 84, long out of the race. St. Louis 72 and 54, leading the way in the Central. Milwaukee 65 and 59, six games back. The Chicago Cubs still falling on hard times. 55 and 71. Maybe they need Henry Rowan Gardner. Cincinnati 49 and 75, 22 games out. And Pittsburgh, even worse. 47 and 78, 24 and a half games out. They have a beautiful ballpark. That's a saving grace. And the LA Dodgers, of course, leading the way at 87 and 37. Wow. The San Diego Fathers, or the San Diego Padres, they're hanging around despite their issues. 19 and a half games behind LA. They're not catching the Dodgers. San Francisco, 61 and 63, 26 games out. Arizona, 57 and 67, 30 games out. 34 and a half games out are the Colorado Rockies. 54 and 73 is their mark. That will do it for the monologue segment. Coming up next, Kevin comes in and we talk high school football. Got a lot of it coming up here in the next couple of weeks on WHHI for the Low Country. Going to be talking that next. I've got a math question for you. When you add tolerance, subtract prejudice, and multiply efforts to treat one another with respect, what do you get? Less division. And school sports have it down to a science. Looking for an example of what can happen when we realize there's more that unites us than divides us? Look no further than high school sports in South Carolina. This message presented by the South Carolina High School League and the South Carolina Athletic Administrators Association. Welcome back in to the Marcus Wall Show. Here from the Dude Pad on Hilton Head. Joining me as per usual is Kevin Libby, my right-hand man with, uh, with the Marcus Wall Show and color commentator for high school basketball on WHHI Sports. That, that season will be here before we know it, but before we talk basketball, we have to talk football. 
and uh, Daniel Court and yours truly will be gearing up for for games here soon. September 9th is the first one. We've got May River and Ridgeland. I'll have to try to uh, not convey, but finalize whether they're Ridgeland, Hardyville, or as I've been told, Ridgeland, because they moved out of the Hardyville area, might have something to do with zoning or whatever. I got this from Justin Jarrett. So I'll figure that out as a definite and let you guys know here real soon. Can I give you a gamut of nicknames? A gamut of nicknames? So if you're going to have some nicknames, they got to be fun, right? So I like the Jaguars. Right. Or that's, is it, that's what Ridgeland Hardyville or Ridgeland is, yeah. It's also fun to say Jaguar. Wait, that's I mean that's it's still the same like mascot, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying it's it's just that I believe they took Hardyville out of I think they're just known as Ridgeland now because they're the like the Ridgeland secondary Again, something of education. But a moniker is appropriate. I like big cats best. Find me something better than that. They're the Jaguars and or the big cats. The Ridgeland Secondary Academy of Excellence. And I think they're just going by Ridgeland in terms of football. The Jaguar is still the same with the red outline and looking menacing as ever with the, the red eyes. If you like the Jacksonville version, it's quite similar. It's just that it's red instead of green. It's an imitation, not an impersonation. It's whatever is legally allowed to be a red jaguar. Right. So this is the first time in, I think since I did, I was working with Chuck Zapek, and we did the 68-14 to Hilton Head versus Ridgeland-Hardyville game to open up the 2015 season. Uh, so this will be the first time, I believe, that we've seen Ridgeland in that long. So seven years. But they're, they're a competitive team, and they've, they've put up some points the first couple of weeks. They're starting off 0-2, but they've, they've definitely put up some points. May River is going to go with a dual quarterback look to start the season. Um, looks like Tanner Macy is getting the majority of the starts. And we remember Tanner from the basketball seasons that uh, that we've done in the past and certainly that, that I've done. Um, so that's our first game. We're going to see Buford at May River Week 2, Whale Branch at Battery Creek Week 3. That one I'm really interested in seeing because Battery Creek, the creek, they're coming on up. They're, they're getting things done. Whale Branch lost some talent, but... Jerry Hatcher mm-hmm. and, and company, they're they're coming correct with it. They're they're very, very good. We'll see Bluffton twice. I'm really excited about Bluffton. I saw um, I, I shouldn't say I saw, but I interviewed Hayden Gregory shortly after he got the gig. Uh, Joseph Keith and I and Lisa Richardson were out there to talk to Hayden, and that interview was aired on the news back in November, and that was still when WHHI had the Hilton Head, Bluffton, and Beaufort news. So that was on the, the Bluffton news back in November. We'll see Hilton Head against Bluffton on September 30th. JP2 and Hilton Head Prep. Hilton Head Prep, boy, they, they've they started the season off kind of slow. Their defense played really well week one or week zero. And then yesterday they had a fierce comeback against uh, Beaufort Academy, but they still ended up getting beat 
they're just going to have to put the pieces together. Obviously, Dustin Etheridge, a new new coach there, um, they've, they've got some new pieces, but they're going to count on A.J. Barger, Lonsell Daly to, to really round the foundation there, especially on offense. Thomas Hayward and Buford Academy, to me, and I was telling Kevin off the air, look like two of the best teams in the Skiza ranks, especially I've been very impressed with what Mark Clifford and company have done to start this season. Thomas Hayward still has some really good players, and they're looking for, as Al Bonine told me on uh, on Media Day almost three weeks ago, they've won four Skiza championships in a row. They're looking for number five. It's something else. Um, we'll see Bluffton and May River on the 21st. Hilton Head Prep at HHCA will be the final game, and that will be at HHCA, the Cross Island Bowl. Hilton Head Christian Academy lost a lot. They lost Blackshear. They they lost Jackson Bulldog Lanier. They lost a couple other players, um, Speedy Robinson. They bring Dylan Clark in at quarterback, and they're, they're really going to have to play very, very good football. It's going to take a little bit of time. They got beat up by Savannah Christian in week zero. Big step for them, and there's certainly a lot of these teams like Hilton Head Christian Academy, like Beaufort, that whether they're uh, SCHSL teams or Skiza teams, they're switching leagues, which definitely makes things interesting too. Beaufort is 3A. They were... F- 4A for a long time, 7-4A. They're 3A now. There, there are other teams that are switching from like 3A to 1A or that type of thing in, in both leagues. There's there's a lot of switching around going on, even in the high school ranks these days. But we're, uh, we're really excited to start coverage here in a couple of weeks. Kevin, we hope to see you out at a couple of games, whether it's you know doing some sideline work or doing camera work. In what, you know, and I've sent you some of the information that I've got just for the show or your own perusing, what are you looking forward to most in either the Skiza or SCHSL way of uh, here 2022? I like the stars. I'm a sucker. I like the kids that turn into stars. I like the ones that you weren't expecting to come out and figure it out. Uh, I liked when we were covering May River, and just like the Jaguars, um, you know, Brett Macy, inside of three, two, three years, built an entire sports culture at May River. And to, who was, what was the name of his kid who was the, uh, the running back quarterback, the Jackson impersonator? Oh, well, you're talking the Lamar Jackson impersonator was Ahmad Green. Ahmad Green. A couple years ago when Don, when Don Ellison and I were calling games. And then last year, watching the kid from Hilton Head, he became the state's Mr. Football. That kid was a star. And he's obviously a dame now. Talking about you, Jalen Sneed. And... That's what we have the ability to produce here is D1 athletes with the ability to go to college for free in more than just football. But I like the attention of the low country. That's the whole point. And, Marcus, you're back at it. Look at the what I'm looking for specifically, the culture building. Coach Clifford making a little run of his own with, again, a team that's only a couple years into 11-man football. Uh, and I also, with respect to Coach Paduzzi, um, really enjoy the, the culture building that we see, you know, I mean, Clifford's probably the best example of it, but I'm very interested to see how he competes against Thomas Hayward. That's the game I'm going to be looking out for. And again, the Jaguars, build something brand new. It's all yours, okay? You know, the people that grew up ahead of you weren't really proud of that football team. You can build an entire thing where you're a winner just like that.
just it's the winning mentality. Watch Media Day. They have a lot of that winning mentality, Marcus. Week zero into week one. Nowhere to go but up. Let's do it. And while you mentioned Media Day, got to give certainly a huge shout-out to the crew that I worked with, Bob Stevens, Jessa Jeremiah, Maria Soden, Susan Green, um, Bob, Susan, Jessa, Maria, myself, there was one Lisa? more. No, Lisa was out of town. Um, oh, Wayne was with us. Wayne Morris was with us. Uh, so give a shout out to him certainly as well. And he was he was great, you know, introducing people and and that type of thing. And then a lot of the sales staff, the uh, lot a lot of the sales staff was with us. Uh, we had you know appearances from Jessica Squared. Jessica Surrett and Jessica Kirk. And then certainly Marty was with us as well. So a lot of fun had by all. The, the Loco folks were there. Got to see Wes Kerr. Um, other stations were there. And that's, that's what it's all about is bringing everybody together for this event in the Low Country. Thanks so much to Kevin at FWDG. Furniture Warehouse Design Gallery. I did not know what that stood for until just a couple of days ago. So thanks to him. Thanks to uh, the fine folks at Chicken Salad Chick. Have you ever been to Chicken Salad Chick? Yes. I'm not a fan of mayonnaise. I'm not a fan of chicken salad for the most part because of that. But But I had the Fancy Nancy Chicken Salad at Chicken Salad Chick. At media day, I scarfed down that sandwich, about half of that sandwich down so fast that I actually started to get the hiccups. Mm -hmm. Luckily, that didn't happen for very long, and I was able to go back and do the last interview that I had for the day. Um, So, you know, check out on social media, predominantly Facebook, um, the interviews that I did. They they still should be up and running. Uh, Bob Stevens will have interviews. Jessica Jeremiah did a few interviews as well with the cheerleaders and uh, and with Kevin for the news. Um, so still plenty of the interviews will be airing, I'm sure, as the season is early. And, and again, we'll get to it on September 9th. Larry Giacomot, uh Jessica Jeremiah, myself, Daniel Court, color, my color guy. And uh, we're going to have a lot of fun this year. Again, there are some Skiza matchups and, and even the one matchup, Whale Branch Battery Creek, that's maybe a little bit under the radar in uh, in the SCHSL viewing, but it's, it's going to be fun to have that for sure. Um, while I'm thinking of it, officials, especially in football, are in need. So go to highschoolofficials.com, SouthCarolinaHighSchoolOfficials.com, Check that out. You'll be seeing stuff uh, from Charlie Wensky and Larry Jackamod's definitely tuned into that, and we want to thank Larry for that. While I'm thinking of it, we also want to thank Tyler Brown for the tunes, TBMM Productions, and uh, it's going to be a fun season. Trying to, We're going to be doing things a tad bit differently, so trying to really get a lot of the information front-loaded, if you will, in terms of you know what we're going to be doing, but... It's, it's going to be a fun season, and uh, Daniel and I will be talking about it this week on Talk of the Town. Marcus, tell the people about the Player of the Week. Yes, um, yes. The, 
the player of the week, and, and if you've listened to Loco, special shout out to Justin, to Wes, and to their entire crew. They've got, I don't know if you're aware of this, but they've got roaming reporters going to different games that are just like fans of the team. Have you seen the broadcast or, or product? that type of thing? The news product out there. I've I've seen what they're doing. They're turning it into a multimedia conglomerate. Justin has been so helpful, you know, for me in in the prep and whatnot, and it it's turning into just an outstanding, outstanding product. It's, it always has been, but it's it's going to another level. He's become. The mothership. It's it's incredible, um, and so I am on a small group that ends up picking, as far as the media goes, the player of the week, and we we went with a guy for week zero that was so very deserving. Could have could have gone just about any way but we decided to go with open up while marcus <laughs> opens this is coming from the county-wide leader in sports loco sports loco sports very good owen bays cole davis of colleton prep zion dobson of wilson hall to sean hayward of buford academy tyshawn mansell of tha Alex Williams of Buford Academy, Max von Hohenstraten of Bluffton High, Mad Max, as Daniel and I like to call him, Kamari Simmons of Bluffton High, and Darian Perry of May River High all lost out and, and all had tremendous weeks. But we gave it to Diedrich Schuford, who came back, and, and you've seen this on, on the news and on Loco, who came back from a knee injury last year. He's the quarterback for Thomas Hayward. His line in week zero, 14 of 19 passing for 445 yards, seven touchdowns, 12 carries for 114 yards, and a rushing TD. Wow. You talk about a monster week zero. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly where he went out for dinner after that, but that kid can eat. You're not kidding. I mean, it's a league of stars. This is a kid that can play at the next level. Marcus, good job calling it out. Thank you so much, and, and certainly I was not alone. It was unanimous. It's, it's going to be four of us in the media, and then certainly um, you guys, the fans, will have a selection too, and it was unanimous. I was thinking maybe Owen Bays, certainly – Kamari Simmons and Max Vaughn are are great, but I saw those numbers that Diedrich Schuford pulled off. Whew! Whoa, Nelly! Outstanding. Let the big dog eat. That's right. Um, yeah, we're we're really excited and really looking forward to starting our uh, our actual calling of games here in a couple of weeks. Actually, two weeks from yesterday is that first game. It's going to be a fun season. It it always is, and and again, we're we're looking to do things, you know, and uh, and be a part of it, and it's it's going to be a blast. So again, game one, May River, Ridgeland, Hardyville, September 9th. It's going to be a lot of fun. Anything to add when it comes to high school football? 
Uh, if you're listening to this, you're in the low country area, please come out for a local high school football game. You want to have some fun? Come stare at some kids get really riled up with school pride. I think it's one of the best, most essential things for our community. Hilton Head specifically has 37,000 residents, quarter million hotel beds, the people that support all the tourists that come here and come through. These kids are the families that live and work here, not just the folks that we see on the roadways. Come out and support the local kids. It's a great time. They'll teach you how to cheer. If you, if you want to sit by the student section, they'll let you in. You can you can yell what they're yelling. It's just, you know, maybe uh, maybe be a little more PC about some of it. I don't know. Here, here's my favorite example. Hilton Head used to chant, um, Bluffton is ghetto. You remember that one? I thought it was one of the worst displays of sportsmanship. I can't say that I do. Well, you know what made... But again, I, I wasn't involved with football there for a few years too this was before you call and stuff all i'm trying to say is okay. uh, that was the culture and then justin bieber got married in in the low country in bluffton and, and in bluffton that's right so i haven't heard that chant for a long time but i'm trying to say there is you go. this is where the culture plays out and i really like seeing the demographic shifts uh you see a place like may river that didn't exist and now has a great culture and you see an older place like battery creek where they stacked it right tall and all of a sudden you got a football town it's moving, man. And we know that either den, indoor or outdoor, is a great environment. Um, that that indoor environment, crazy. It, it turned both of us ill after <laughs> calling that game in 2018 together. Uh, little did we know we'd be back at it doing, uh, doing basketball games. But uh, looking forward to that. But, again, football first. And uh, we hope to see you out at some games for sure. Even just come out and hang out with us. You'll catch me. Look out. Awesome. That'll do it for this segment, talking high school football. Again, thanks to the folks at Loco, WHHI. Thanks to everybody for uh, for being a part of it and certainly for uh, for all the help in, uh, in getting us here. So that'll do it for this segment. When we come back, we're going from high school to college. We've got a Heisman Trophy update, or at least I do. Got playoff update, New Year's Six Bowl matchup update. It took me a long time to figure out who I would have Notre Dame playing. That's just a little teaser. That's all coming up straight ahead when we talk college football on the Marcus Wall Show. We're getting it cranked up for you next. The music you hear on the Marcus Wall Show is provided courtesy of TBMM Productions, Tyler Brown Multimedia, for all things low country. Dial 843-715-1935. Back to the show. Welcome back in to the Marcus Wall Show here from the Dude Pad on Hilton Head. Kevin rejoins me for this next segment. One thing that I will mention, and actually I won't mention it because I had previously, and we've got the uh, the voiceover about officials programmed in that Larry Jackmock gave us, but you were just telling me off air again about your time as an official in basketball. You officiated uh, baseball and softball as well. Talk just a little bit about the importance of, of officials and uh, and your times there as an official before we move on to college football. It's a great job, especially at the high school level. Um, you usually start off doing junior varsity, then they bring you up to varsity. It's I'll, I'll tell you a memory I had. I was calling a softball game with the guy who trained me to be an official. His name's uh, Jerry Hart, and he lives in Beaufort, and he works for Coke. And there was one game where we had a play at third base on a two-person crew, 
and I had to go from what's called the A position to cover home plate. It's the only time and the only circumstance where you do that. It's in what I would call the back of the book. I'm just saying, I took a lot of pride in that job. If, if I can interrupt, what position were you at? Or were, were you like in between bases? Because it sounds like you went from one spot on the field to behind home plate or were looking that way. So in, it's A, B, and C in baseball. So A position is behind first base. You got a runner on base with two-person crew. You jump in behind the pitcher. That's the B position. And then the C is when you're going from essentially the second base bag side to the shortstop side. It's when you're transitioning from covering the second base call to covering the second base call and the third base call. You're also helping out for timing at first base, which is technically the home play umpire's call at that time. So um, it gets really interesting. All I'm trying to say is when you rotate on, let's say, a triple and you have a play at the plate after the home plate umpire has been pulled up to call at third base, uh, it's my responsibility from the A to drop down and cover home plate. So, anywho, it's the very minutia of a very inside sport. And how, I just want to share how good it felt. One day, Jerry Hart, who, you know, I was always guessing around the answers to these things, Jerry Hart just turns to me after making a good call at third base and saw I was behind him. And I earned his smile, and he gave me a wink. And all I'm trying to say is uh, it's a fun job. You can, it takes some work to learn how to do it. But you're out in these high school environments. They're a lot of fun. And it's important for the kids. If you take it as seriously as they do, it's a great time. That's awesome. And I've certainly met a lot of officials the last few years, especially since I've gotten back doing football and since I started calling basketball as well for WHHI, which is circa... 2018, I think, is when I started calling basketball. So I've gotten to know some of them as well. And, yes, it's a very important job. And, and the officials that are out there that do a great job, we, we certainly appreciate you. And, and hopefully there are some changes within, you know, how officials are treated. And that's, that's one thing that we'll be talking a lot about more as time goes on. To be fair, it's, it's never the kids. Sometimes the coaches, sometimes the Correct. parents. Kids, it's never the kids. Sorry, just want to be very clear about that. Uh, the kids are always why you're out there. They're the most fun. And if the parents are doing it right and the coaches are doing it right, we're all there for the same reason. It's for the kids. Did you see what the one kid said on ESPN, though? Are we talking about the kid that got hit in the helmet and went and talked to the, the pitcher that whacked him? No. That, that was an awesome, awesome thing, though. You're talking about the kid that said it was rigged from ESPN. Yes. That was a great hot mic moment. Thank you, technology. I love that stuff. Very hot mic moment. Um, but the, the kid that got whacked in the helmet and actually stood on first base, went over to console the pitcher, that, that tugs at your heartstrings. You don't even have to be a sports fan to love that. It's, um, you remember, everyone at that age remember how it felt to be embarrassed. And that was a kid that um, understood a moment in a way that most people don't have the emotional maturity to do. It's a beautiful thing to see it when a kid, you know, it's, it's embar- the same way the kid will say something. I have nephews, right? They're going to yak back something silly, I say. And that's going to make me embarrassed because, you know, I create the silliness. But the thing that feels good, and I bet anyone that have kid, has kids feels this, is when you see your kid have a tender moment. And they learned that from you. So good job to the parents of that kid. Without question. Let's move on to college football. Segment number two or three, depending on how you want to phrase it. And uh, it's tell, three. Tell it's you three. what, it, it is it is three. Some sometimes I go monologue segment one, segment two, but technically it is indeed segment three. The monologue's a segment. The open, yeah, right. is just an open. Yes, that's that's very true too. Thanks for. Ca- I like to count. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. 
start start calling you uh, Count Chocula Jr. or Look, something. Look, if we count any higher, I'll have to take off my shoes, and I don't need to do that. <laughs> That's so true. So, talking college football, and I knew where I was going with the four-team playoff, but it was interesting in figuring out, and I used to do, as I used to do with the NFL, every team, kind of records, whatever, pick every bowl game, whatever. I don't do that anymore because, number one, I don't have the time. (laughs) Number two... We like, we've said this a lot. We like to think we know what we're talking about and that things will come to fruition. I don't know. I think I'm self-aware enough to realize this is a lot of guesswork. Yeah, exactly. So I knew where I was going with the 14 playoff. I ended up, you know, with, with your help actually, finalizing the New Year Six. And that's, that's what I do with college these days. 14 playoff for the CFP, and then the New Year's Six Bowls. And I've got some interesting matchups here that I think think you folks will like. We'll start off... Hmm. Let's start off with the New Year's Six, and we'll save the CFP games for, uh, for last. And I know you've said that you're not much of a Saturday college football fan, but we'll, we'll see what your thoughts are on these New Year's Six and... Uh, and college playoff games. I am today. I mean, I'm hanging out with Marcus watching Northwestern get at it with Nebraska. It's awesome. I mean, it's fun to talk about sports, but to watch them in the backdrop, oh my God, what a game. It's 31-28 in favor of Northwestern. Uh, Jason Benetti, who went from ESPN to Fox, is calling the game with Brock Heward. That's for you, Matt Brubaker, in case you were interested. Love you, boo. I, I, I have, you know... So many times with Matt where I've been able to recite who has called a certain game and it just it makes him laugh. And that's <laughs> that's that's one of my goals in life. As as is one of his of mine, I like to think. We we and you know, throw Kevin right in. We we like to make each other laugh. Joy is a beautiful thing. It, be be it joyful. Cer- it certainly is. Um so my first game that I will uh talk about is the Sugar Bowl because you've got the legitimate, because the Sugar Bowl is not part of the CFP, you've got the legitimate Big 12 and SEC matchup, which is something that is going to be going on. Brent Venables back in Oklahoma. Oklahoma! (laughs) He was there for a long, long time, and then he went to Clemson, and he's been working on defenses, and... This is a huge, huge year for Oklahoma. They've got some talent coming back. They they have a chance, really, to to do some things. They've got to finalize some of the key positions, get them all playing well. But there's so much kind of turmoil in the Big 12. You know, you think Oklahoma, you think Oklahoma State, you think Texas, and... Oklahoma, to me, seems like still the most consistent team out of all of them. I've got them going into the Sugar Bowl, representing the Big 12 in what is the Big 12 SEC matchup this year. And my Sugar Bowl representative from the SEC, I thought about Florida, be a rematch. I thought about Arkansas. Arkansas had a great year last year. 
I thought about LSU, and Arkansas lost a lot. LSU, 2019, they had that magical year. They beat Clemson. They they did great things, and then it just all went downhill. And then Brian Kelly leaves Notre Dame and starts talking with a fake, phony Southern accent. What? And it was just like, do I pick LSU to get back there? You know, how do we go about this? I'm going to take a flyer on the Wildcats of Kentucky to make the Sugar Bowl. I don't know if Riley Miller of WJCL has ever listened to this podcast. We, we do happen to be Facebook friends, but Riley, this is for you. I'm taking your Kentucky Wildcats to go to the Sugar Bowl mm. and take on Oklahoma, and I'm not picking winners of, uh, of the... New Year's six games, but that's my matchup: Oklahoma, Kentucky. Thoughts? Uh, they were great to start the year last year. I like Kentucky. More of a basketball fan of them than than football. But uh, the Bluegrass State's well represented on that football field, especially on the offensive side. How you know? That's it's they're twentieth in the country according to the coaches' poll. So it's a it's an ambitious ask. But could they do it? Sure. Why not? They did. They, they were undefeated for a long time. They just have to keep the run until, going. I think it was until they played Georgia. Last year, well, yeah, but and and Georgia's Georgia, obviously they are the champs. Um, so I've got Oklahoma going up against Kentucky in the Sugar Bowl, the Rose Bowl. It's a lock again, much like the Sugar Bowl when it's not part of the CFP. You've got the Big Ten, you've got the Pac-12. I'll start off with the Pac-12 team because there were only two teams that I was thinking of for this. I went back and forth between Utah and USC. I'm going with the Utes, going back to Pasadena. Last year, they played Ohio State. This year, I have them playing Ohio State's arch rival, Michigan. <laughs> and and I think Michigan's going to be really good again. Jim Harbaugh finally was able to get them into the CFP, get them over the hump, beating Ohio State as much as that pained me. And I think they're going to be really good again. So that's my Rose Bowl matchup. And I, I think it has a chance to be a really good one. Remember, Utah was practically tarring and feathering Ohio State until they had the comeback last year. Utah's a fine team. They kind of remind me a little bit of Oregon. When, when we think of how many years USC's been really good and they're starting to get back, um, you know, you thought of USC, but you also thought of Oregon being a high-flying power team in the Pac-12 Utah's kind of reminding me of those Oregon teams of old with um, Masoli and and all that company. You think of Thomas, the, the great runners, and some of the great receivers, and a lot of the spread offense and high-flying power. Oh, 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 oh. And, and so they've, they've got it again. Yeah, didn't think I'd have a Tim Allen impression in this, uh, in this podcast, but it just felt right. I don't think so, Tim. <laughs> Very good. So... I've got Utah, I've got Michigan. Oh, by the way, that show was obviously, I believe it was made in L.A., but it was based out of Detroit. Tim Allen would always say rough, which drove me crazy as a New Englander. Rough? It's not your roof. It's your, what's a, what's a dog say? Bow wow rough. or? Rough. I'll have to, I'll have to listen back you, to you that. You watch it enough. You'll see. Yeah. Okay. So... I've got Utah and Michigan in the Rose Bowl. The granddaddy of them all. Going to be great. 
Oklahoma State. I thought about having Notre Dame play Oklahoma State, but I decided to go a different way. I had a, as you can recall because you were here, I had a dickens of a time trying to find somebody to play Notre Dame. But I'm going Oklahoma State in the Cotton Bowl, taking on, fight on the USC Trojans. Big season for USC because they've got Lincoln Riley and they're trying to get that program back going again with some players on the outside. They can stretch the field. It's going to be a huge year for USC. It was between USC and Utah. I think they're the two best teams in the Pac-12. I'm going USC and Oklahoma State in the Cotton Bowl uh, in Arlington. That should be a really interesting matchup. Spencer Sanders for USC, uh, for uh, Oklahoma State. Huge year, we think, for him uh, upcoming. And it's going to be very interesting. Thoughts? I think that, Marcus, when it comes to you picking stuff, um, I usually lean on you for college. You know that. I think Penn State looks interesting. I think that game against Purdue where they start their year on September 1st is going to be uh, a, a telltale for how that might go. Some people think that Purdue's actually going to knock Penn State off in that game. Based off who I have Notre Dame playing in the Orange Bowl, and yes, I have Notre Dame getting to a New Year's Six game, playing in the Orange Bowl. I know they're not part of the ACC, but they are a default in the fact that if there's nobody else that's satisfactory, and I don't think there is in the ACC this year based off what I was looking at today, Stick Notre Dame in the Orange Bowl. Have have them play in Miami. I had Michigan State. I had Texas. I was trying to find somebody from the SEC. I didn't want to use an ACC team because they'll be taking essentially the legitimate ACC spot. I, I wanted to go with an at-large team. I, I was so sold on putting Texas down, and you looked at me like I had three heads. You were like, what? You're going to go with Texas? They're not even in the top 25, and they're not. They've got Bajon Robinson. I think he's going to have a great year. Herman, can he get it going? He better. They've lost some talent, but, you know, I, I think they have a chance to improve within the Big 12. All that being said, you know, I thought about even going Michigan State as well, but I just came back to Penn State, and I'm going to please my grandparents because they were, despite the love that they have for Notre Dame, may they both rest in peace, of course, they they were big fans of Joe Paterno, you know, the coach, and the coach that Joe Paul was. I'm going Notre Dame, Penn State in the Orange Bowl, battling for all the oranges that they could squeeze into orange juice, they're in Miami. I love it. Orange Bowl is a fun one. Yeah, I, I mean, I, Marcus, outside of the top four, um, I don't know. What I'm really asking is how many teams can legitimately win the national championship the year, this year in college football? Would you say more than six? Um, I feel so confident in my four, and, and I'll say this again because I watched college game day today. And Desmond Howard had the pick that just made me absolutely scratch my head, at least to me. Kirk Curbstreet went with Baylor getting to the college football playoff, kind of as a, 
a sleeper wild card, whatever. It could happen. Desmond Howard has Texas A&M going to the national championship game. It could happen. Jimbo's done some great things. I just don't see it, though. And I'm I'm big on quarterback play, and if you can get some guys on the outside, that, that's just football in general for me. If you can get some guys on the outside, have some studs on defense, have a really good quarterback, and I think a lot of these teams that I'm talking about have really good options at most, if not all, of those positions. That's that's what I look for. So that's why I went, you know, Notre Dame, Penn State. Penn State's got Clifford back. In terms of how many teams I think can win it, I feel pretty confident in the four that I have for this year. And again, it goes back to what I just talked about. I think Alabama and Ohio State are easily the two best teams in the country. I've got Georgia at three, Clemson at four. So Alabama and Clemson would play in the Peach Bowl, being that Alabama would have the pick of where to play. I think they would much rather travel to Atlanta, have kind of a home field there, rather than going to the Fiesta Bowl in Arizona. Ohio State would then go to the Fiesta Bowl which is like a second home for them. They'll take on Georgia at the Fiesta Bowl. And then I've got Ohio State and Alabama in the national championship, a rematch from two years ago. And Ohio State, led by C.J. Stroud, who, oh, by the way, is my Heisman Trophy winner, led by uh, Smith and Jigba, who is one of the best wide receivers in the country. And I had forgotten about the young running back that Ohio State has. My brother and I were talking just the other day about this. And he said, Ohio State still has Master Teague, right? And I said, yeah, that's false. Master Teague is in the league. Um, (laughs) Didn't mean to rhyme that, but I just did. Um, Poet didn't even know it. That's exactly right. So... Master Teague gone to the NFL, and the running back that we saw from Ohio State in spurts last year that um, has a chance to to do some things this year as I get my roster up is they've got Marvin Harrison Jr., a wide receiver, Julian Fleming, wide receiver, um, Jack Sawyer on defense, Evan Pryor, we'll see how he does running the football. But it's Trevion Henderson, who's also a very good running back. This team still has so many weapons. Ryan Day's a very good football coach. And and so I, I've got Ohio State winning the whole thing for the first time since 2014 when they beat Oregon, 2014-15 season, which was the first season of the college football playoff. Of course, before that, you go back to when they beat Miami. Oh, by the way, that game was in the Fiesta Bowl, and, um, or it, at the site of the Fiesta Bowl. And, and so I've got Ohio State winning the whole thing over Alabama with the two runner-ups of those games being Georgia and Clemson. Um, didn't talk a whole lot about Georgia and Clemson yet, or even Alabama for that matter, but they all bring back really good quarterback play, obviously, Stenson Bennett coming off the national championship against Bama a year ago, and then 
You've you've got DJ Uyunglele who lost 30 pounds in the offseason, apparently. You've got some great players on Clemson's team. Uh, Shipley's still there. Kirk Herbstreet's kid, I think it's Ty, is is still there. I'm going to have to check that out. Um, but you've got a Herbstreet there. You've got some good players and, and the foundation. Sweeney's got some of his kids there. I, I think it's time for Clemson to get back on the map. And... Uh, and then Georgia, you know, lost a lot. When, when you think of what they lost, they definitely lost a big piece on, on defense. But I think they're, uh, they're going to be ready to pursue a big spot in the SEC, go to the SEC championship game, and, uh, and face Alabama. And then they will end up facing Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl, as I have projected. And, and I think this is a huge huge year for Ohio State. They get the defensive coordinator from Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State had the best defense in the Big 12 last year. Should be interesting. I'm showing Marcus the the schedule for the Michigan Wolverines under Jim Harbaugh. Marcus, find me a loss anywhere on that schedule up until the final week of the season. Find me a loss on the schedule for Michigan. Um... I think the Penn State game has a chance to be a trap. Um, it's a home game for Michigan. They also the next week host or they get the bye and then they host Michigan State. Um, in terms of road games, Iowa is interesting. They ended up waxing Nebraska last year I think they'll do that again yeah the games the games that look the most interesting to me are Iowa Penn State Michigan State and then Ohio State not saying that they'll lose them all because I don't think they will but they may end up losing two games but they're not going to be an underdog until the last game of the season against Ohio State all I'm trying to say is how fun would it be if we got two undefeated teams coming into the last week of regular play? Oh, with, without question. And, and that could very well be, be the scenario. I've, in doing the research to try to find a Notre Dame opponent, Penn State could knock them off. Penn State's brought a lot back. We'll, we'll see. I, I largely agree with you. We'll see, though. I mean, Penn State's not getting a lot of respect in the, the coaches' poll or from, you know, anybody in the media. But um, it's possible. I think that there's six teams that could win the national championship. I'll give you my six if you'll give me yours. But you want playoff next? Um, well, I, I had talked about my playoff scenario and the national championship. If, if I have to add two more to that list that I think can do it um, – I might as well try to go with some of the sleepers that I had picked. Of, of the teams that I picked, I think, as, as crazy as it sounds, I think Oklahoma. And as much as I like Notre Dame, I think they're going to take a little bit of a step back. You know, first full year for Marcus Freeman. If we're going with a six, I'll go Alabama, Ohio State, in, in no particular order, because obviously I have Ohio State winning the whole thing. 
Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, Oklahoma, and I guess that leaves... Kentucky, right? Well, I have Kentucky, Utah, Oklahoma State, and Oklahoma is my kind of sleepers that I listed here. Um, and I took Oklahoma State in the Cotton Bowl. They've got Spencer Sanders coming back. I think I will go with... Uh, no, I'm going to go Utah. So I'll go Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, Oklahoma, and Utah, one through six. And that when they do the rankings, they do, they do top six, mm-hmm. the four per week that they have in, and then the two that are just left out. So that's my six. Alabama, Ohio State, Georgia, Clemson, Oklahoma, Utah. I'll take it. I'll take it. I, again, for me, Michigan's in there, and I'm not as high on Clemson. Sorry to Dabo Swinney. And, uh, I, you know, I, I think there's a lot that can happen from a, a young player we haven't seen yet. I'm excited to have one of these teams, like Iowa is a good example, uh, find a running back that could be the next Heisman. Because bring it on. Why not? So I gave you a definitive six. Can you give me a definitive six? Let's go ahead and say Georgia National Champions is number six. At number five, I'll take Notre Dame. At number four... Give me Michigan. At number three, this is where it gets interesting. So, wait a minute. Yeah. You're going six to one, mm-hmm. but you had Georgia as the national champions. No. No, I that, don't. Li- that's what you said. Oh. I don't think Georgia's going to repeat, no. I want Michigan for national champions. Okay. Yeah. Who are they playing? Give me Michigan versus Dame. Why not? Well, I want to see is Michigan-Alabama. If a- Michigan and Notre Dame play in the national championship, we're watching that together. Uh, well, we're going to watch the game regardless. But I- I'm saying together. Okay, we'll, deal. We'll, we'll get together and watch that game. I will be in my Notre Dame garb. Wow. That's, that's, that's big. Uh, same thing with Michigan and Alabama. I like the big offenses versus these traditional defenses. Ohio State, big ass, you know, big old defense. Alabama, big old defense. Georgia, giant defense. Uh, Notre Dame, slow. Uh, Utah, slow. Texas A&M, we don't know. Uh, Michigan, to me, is a legit threat. And I know I'm ignoring Oklahoma. I don't know. I like Michigan. And then a team like Kentucky that flies out of nowhere, maybe goes on a little run. Sure. All right, so Michigan, Notre Dame, Kentucky. That's three, three of the four playoff teams for you. Number four. This is where I got stuck. Let's throw a and I'll just go with the media. Throw in A&M. Let's do it. Michigan, Notre Dame, Kentucky, A&M, in that order? Sure. So you would have Michigan going up against A&M, Notre Dame going up against Kentucky, and then the two teams that are just on the outside looking in. Alabama, Ohio State. Can I get those? Wow. You, I, you I think can Mich- get them. I think Michigan goes undefeated. Not kidding. I think they beat Ohio State. That's the big surprise. And then Ohio State nips them in the national championship or the playoff. However you get arranged. That's the teams I like. 
I think Michigan's not going to lose until the Ohio State game. And either either way, both teams by that point are going to be one of the four playoff teams. And bring on the good offense. I'll take care of that. It's I got down, it. Down at the bottom, we're uh, my laptop's about ready to die. I've got 4% left, so it's time to boost this guy back. Other, other side, Kev. Shazam. That's a heck of a game show, so I hear. From uh, Shazam. From what? That's actually beat Shazam. Ah. Jamie Fox hosts it. It's a singing game show. As long as it's half as much fun as the rap comedy, starring Shaquille O'Neal, known as I Am. Big nope. Diesel. You don't remember Kazam? No. Well, fortunately, not enough people watched it. That most people uh, don't watch it. It's not good. But there. <laughs> It was the story of a rapping genie named Kazam. 90s Shaq, back when he had a rap album. Good times. I hear genie, I think of Robin Williams. Well, believe me, that Shaq CD didn't mean... Hey, much. Al! Yeah. The Shaq CD didn't mean much to me either. I get it. That'll do it for this segment. Um, yeah, that, that'll do it for talking college football. Oh, before I forget. Heisman Trophy winner. I, I got your playoff teams. I, I, I need to get a Heisman Trophy winner for you. I won't, I won't have you pick the other games that I did, but I need a Heisman Trophy winner. Stetson Bennett. Hey, okay. Stetson Bennett out of Georgia. You heard it here first on the Marcus Walsh Show. That's what Kevin says. And uh, big, big on you for, for taking Kentucky even farther than I did. But, Riley, we're, we're here for you. And, Certainly, we, we appreciate everything that you do for sure. Um, that will do it for this segment of the Marcus Wall Show. When we come back, I said we were talking more football. We've got the NFL to talk about. And then we're going to talk a little baseball again. It's all coming up next on the Marcus Wall Show. Stay right there. The Marcus Wall Show is brought to you by Mutual of Omahead Helmets. Protect your noggin before a flogging. Mutual of Omahead Helmets. And by Square Place. If you're in a room, chances are you're in a square place. And now back to the show. Welcome back into the Marcus Walsh Show. Here from the Dude Pad, Marcus Walsh, Kevin Libby, Larry Jackamot, and Tyler Brown. We want to thank those guys for what they do behind the scenes in terms of uh, getting you good commercial information and, and certainly Tyler with with the tunes or uh, or the tune as it is it's just you hear different parts of it at various times let's do it let's do it um, <laughs> let's do it and you you've known tyler longer than i have yeah yeah um, we met covering candace glover up in buford a few years back there you go tyler and i did some on location reports i remember we uh we covered a golf event together or a golf i think it was an amateur tournament together I believe it was at Berkeley Hall. He and I were out there, and we did a couple other things together. Certainly hope Tyler's doing well. Have talked to Larry a lot over the last couple of months, and uh, certainly going to be working a lot more with him, as as will you, especially when basketball season rolls around. Larry Giacomo, one of the one of the best. Tyler, if you follow Larry, we love you, brother. Tyler, if you follow him on social media, Tyler Brown. Um, has a, he found a mural to himself in Atlanta. That's been his latest social media buzz. It's great. Real life. 
So somebody just created it? I'm assuming it was like from an art gallery or something? The way he's playing it off is like he was just walking down the street. He has a little Vine video. You know how the kids do the things. Um, not a Vine video. TikTok video. Where he's just like, you know, walking past it being like, Oh, look, they found me! <laughs> it's just really funny. Anywho, he's, uh, he's still as entertaining as ever. We love you, Ty. For sure we do. And appreciate uh, all that you do for the show, for sure. From behind the scenes. We've talked high school football. We've talked a little bit of baseball. We've talked the uh, college ranks. Talked a little bit of golf. And now it's time, before we get back into a baseball discussion, to talk the NFL. Originally, the title of this show was going to be... (laughs) I lost it. Um, It originally... It was that good. (laughs) It originally was going to be... The intro, dun 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 dun, for the Monday Night Football theme, because of the fact that we were going to talk football. But basically, we're talking predominantly football, and then sprinkling in a few other things, like you sprinkle cheese on, you know, whatever you sprinkle cheese on. Well, you grind it before you crank it up. That's that's true. Decided to just go with a different title and one that just came off the top of my head as I was doing the opening, anyhow. So. Big, big season for a lot of big teams coming up. Time to talk NFL. And where I had a couple of surprises in the college ranks, I don't have many surprises in the ranks of the NFL. But I do have one in the NFC that I think could very well be considered a surprise. I'll I'll explain it and... uh, let Kevin react, and, and you folks certainly can chime in as well. I'll start off with the AFC. I will actually start off by saying, to the best of my knowledge, there has never been a scenario where a team has opened the year with somebody and then closed the year with somebody, as in the Week 1 matchup is also the Super Bowl matchup. To my knowledge, that's never happened before. In the AFC, the Buffalo Bills, oh, man, do they look good. I've got them as the one seed. They just have so much firepower on both sides of the ball. I think that Josh Allen is right up there with Patrick Mahomes and a slew of others in the MVP conversation. What they were able to do last year, and they lost a couple of pieces, but they really didn't lose much. It seems like they've got just about the entire team staying put. Buffalo's going to be really good, as as is Cincinnati. They're my two seed, and it all comes down to the health of Joe Burrow. You got Jamar Chase. You've you've got some good receivers joining Jamar. Cincinnati. You know, proved a lot of people wrong. And then, you know, you've got Kansas City as well. They've lost some pieces. One in particular, and and a huge piece that they lost in Tyreek Hill. But they still have guys around Patrick Mahomes. And Patrick Mahomes can do just about anything. He's, He's proven that. And, yeah, their defense is... 
a little bit to be desired. But with Pat Mahomes slinging around, you've got Scantling. They've they still have a couple of guys running the ball. Pat can run it. He can throw it. Um, I I think that Kansas City is going to be definitely stepping down a peg or two, but I still think they're the best in the West, believe it or not, um, in a stacked division. I mean, you've got Kansas City. You've got L.A. You've got the Las Vegas Raiders who are improving, and then you've got the Denver Broncos as well. And, yes, I have the Denver Broncos in the playoffs too. But next you've got Indianapolis, and the addition of Matt Ryan to Indianapolis is huge, and I'm so happy that he was able to go to a different team, you know, have a chance to win a Super Bowl because Atlanta's not winning this year. Atlanta's not winning next year. Might be a while before Atlanta wins, um, if I'm being honest. I think Indianapolis is going to be really good. And, uh, again, they've got pieces on the outside. They've, They've got, you know, a really good running game. Matt doesn't have to throw, I don't think, for, you know, 300, 400, 500 yards every game. They've got some players on defense as well. They look really good. And so I've got Indianapolis winning the South. My three wildcard teams, I'm going to go with the Baltimore Ravens. This is a huge year for Lamar Jackson. This is put up or shut up. And he's got to be ready to go. Baltimore's got a lot of talent. They're known for their plethora of running backs. They're trying to play strong on defense. We'll see what they do. I've got them as the first wild card. Cleveland, I've got as the second wild card. And it's amongst a couple of big-time caveats. Number one, what are they going to do with the quarterback spot? until Deshaun Watson comes back, because Deshaun Watson, of course, is suspended for the first 11 games. Number two, how do they do when Deshaun returns, figuring he will return week 12 against, oh, by the way, Houston? Again, you've got Chubb, you've got a couple of receivers, and Joku has a chance to to be a major point of this offense as well, Miles Garrett, the defense, they're they're doing great things in Cleveland. It's looking like they're about to hit another corner as long as they don't find a way to wreck it. And I could use other verbiage, but I won't. I'm going to take a flyer on Cleveland to get to the playoffs as the second wildcard team. And then the third wildcard team, I mentioned it already, I like Denver. And, and I like Denver a lot because of Russell Wilson, because of Jerry Judy, because of Javante Williams. I think Javante is going to take a big step this year. And so I like Denver as my last wild card team. So I've got Cincinnati, the two seed, over Denver, the seven seed. I've got Kansas City, the three seed, over Cleveland, the six seed. And I've got Indianapolis over Baltimore. That's four over five. Nothing earth-shattering. I'm taking all the favorites, essentially, in the way I have it structured. And then I have Indianapolis going up against Buffalo. Buffalo's going to beat them. I've got Cincinnati over Kansas City. Same thing we saw last year. 
So I've got Buffalo going up against Cincinnati in the AFC Championship game. I'm going with the Buffalo Bills. Nobody, nobody circles the wagons like the Buffalo Bills. Ken Brubaker, that one's for you. Um, good old Kenny Brubaker, my uh, one of my professors in college. So that's what I got. I got Buffalo going to the Super Bowl and being a huge, huge portion of a very good football that we're going to see out of the NFC or out of the AFC. Before I get to the NFC, do you want to give me your AFC predictions or reactions to mine, or shall I go to the NFC? Roll with it, baby. Okay, I will roll, and then and then we'll get your picks and and uh, and reactions. In the NFC, the LA Rams, I've got them as the one seed. They're going to be getting the bye. Uh, they just, you know, with the addition of Stafford and. They've got Cam Akers, who is a guy that just wins and wins and wins. And they, they still have a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. They're, they're a lot like Buffalo in that regard. I see them winning the NFC, uh, getting the one seed. Tampa Bay, I've got as the two. Tom Brady, supposedly he was going to retire. But then he turned around and he said, not so fast, my friends, I'm coming back. Tampa Bay gets a big boost, I think, with Julio Jones being back in the NFC South. It just makes sense that he's going to torch the NFC South. He's going to torch Atlanta. He's going to do well against New Orleans. He's going to torch Carolina. It just it just makes sense. But with, with Tom Brady, things are definitely possible for Tampa. They look, they look really good, I think. Because of that, they're my two seed. I have the Philadelphia Eagles as my three seed. I think Jalen Hurts is going to take a major step forward this year. Um, Miles Sanders is a fine running back. They've got some weapons on the outside. Can their defense contain some of the high-powered offenses in the NFC or the AFC for that matter? We'll see. But it was between Philly and Dallas. I think Dallas has still a little bit too much turmoil going on with their club right now. I like Philadelphia to win the NFC East and overtake Green Bay because Green Bay has lost some pieces as well. I still think they're good enough, certainly, to win the NFC North. Or as Chris Berman likes to say, the NFC North Division. I like the Packers. Much like with Tom Brady, if Aaron Rodgers has his head right and he's fully invested, you, you never know what, what might happen there. Um, my wildcard teams in the NFC, I've got Dallas as the five seed. And the New Orleans Saints, this is probably the one surprise. I really like New Orleans to get through the first round of the playoffs. Jameis Winston, as long as he's healthy, it seems like he had a rejuvenated year to start before he got hurt. You've got uh, a huge threat as long as he's healthy and Michael Thomas coming back. You can never forget Alvin Kamara. Got some big boys on that defensive line. I look for New Orleans to be a wild card team and put some, some people on major notice that they're coming back. And then the seventh seed, to wrap up the NFC, I've got Arizona. 
Kyler Murray and company, you know, huge acquisitions over the last several years. They really want to try to get this team back on the map, and they'll get into the playoffs this year. It's going to be going to be fun in Arizona for sure. I like the Arizona Cardinals as my last wild card team, and uh, of course, losing out of the division to LA. Moving on to the playoff spots, I've got Tampa over Arizona in the two versus seven matchup. New Orleans is going to upset Philadelphia in the 3-6, so that's a 6 over a 3, and I've got Green Bay in a tight one over Dallas, so that leaves LA going up against New Orleans in one matchup, Tampa Bay going up against Green Bay in another matchup, it just seems right to have Tom Brady going up against Aaron Rodgers, and I've got LA and Tampa moving on, winning, and, and just outlasting their opponents, New Orleans and Green Bay, which I think will be both definitely improved. And then I like L.A. to beat Tampa in the NFC Championship game. And as they did last year to get to the Super Bowl, they go back. Typically, the team that wins the Super Bowl the next year does not do well. I just really like this L.A. Rams team. But they're going up against a team that's going to beat them. I've got the Buffalo Bills winning the Super Bowl over the L.A. Rams. And note that I was very high on the Indianapolis Colts, that I thought Indy would go up against Buffalo in the in the AFC Championship game. But I, because of the numbers and whatnot, it just didn't work out that way. Thus, I have Buffalo over Cincinnati in the AFC Championship game, L.A. over Tampa, and then L.A. losing in the Super Bowl to the Buffalo Bills. That's right. Nobody, and I mean nobody, circles the wagons in 2022-23 better than the Buffalo Bills. They get it done, and that's the, that's the way it looks. Marcus, I like it. Let me burn through my disagreements with you. NFC North, together with you on Aaron Rodgers winning there. I also take the Saints in the South over the Bucks. although I have the Bucks as a wild card team. I don't like the birds in the East as much as you do. I got the, the Cowboys winning that one. And I actually even have the birds off off the playoffs uh, because the wild card's coming out of the West and it's not the Cardinals. I'm picking San Francisco to win the West in spite of their ridiculous quarterback situation. And the St. Louis Rams to be your wild card team. What do you think of that? L.A. Good Lord. Yep. <laughs> In fairness, I'm looking at a graphic, and it says St. Louis, but not the point. They've been there long enough. Uh, AFC side. Yeah, you want to make a comment? So can can you just go through your division winners and wild cards? Because I think there were either a couple of teams that you omitted or you didn't add in. So my division winners, NFC. In the West, gave me the Niners. In the East, Cowboys. South, Saints. North, Packers. Wild card teams. Got three of them. Rams, Buccaneers. Oh, that's right. I'm going to put in two. Okay, give me the birds. Let's throw your Eagles in there. Okay, so Eagles get in as a wild card. Yeah, but I don't like Arizona as much as you do. Yeah? I, I got you. Shall we go to the AFC? Let's do it. North. I like the Bengals. South. Eh, obviously the Colts. East. Obviously the Bills. West. 
I actually like the Raiders. Can I go Josh McDaniels and surprise you? I like that's, the Chargers, too. That's even a surprise from what you said earlier, because I thought you were going to take the Chargers. I do like the Chargers a lot, but the Raiders, maybe it's because it's recency bias. I just watched them beat the Patriots in preseason so easily. Their backups absolutely handled our, our first-string offense. Um, why not? Because I don't believe the Chiefs are consistent enough with respect to Pat. I don't like the Broncos as much as the media does right now, and I still think Justin Herbert needs more help. So do you go Raiders and then chargers as a wild card team i think pat mahomes is gonna sit at home and t- take that one for the tv gods would hate that oh but give you're me you're not kidding give me kc being inconsistent enough to be beat up by what's a pretty darn competitive west probably the best division in the you know this side of this side of uh the conferences okay so you've got the chargers as a wild card team two more all right my other wild cards coming down the pipe i will give you the cleveland browns and surprise team the Jets. The Jets are going to win. How do you like them apples? You should follow Mike Greenberg on Twitter and tell him that. <laughs> Why? So we can both start smoking the same stuff? The dude would probably lose his mind. I think there's going to be a surprise. The East stinks. I don't think the Patriots are very good. I don't think the Dolphins are very good. And the Bills might drop a division game, which is why I think the Jets could surprise you. The Dolphins, this this era of the Dolphins, I'm glad you brought them up, was like the San Diego slash Los Angeles Chargers and the Jacksonville Jaguars. On paper, they should be so much better than they are. It's, it's unreal. Throw the Cleveland Browns in for that matter, too. I talk about them organizationally. Culturally, yeah. Find, and culturally moving ahead a step or two and then going backwards a step or two it's it's just nutty man well they gave a bunch of money to a guy who's not going to play the dolphins did some dumb stuff culturally the patriots do not look like they know how to build an offense at least not with their current coaching staff and the bills are again really good but i still see you know beating miami and miami's tough uh beating new england in new england's tough beating the jets in new york you well, know it's Sometimes that's the uh, bad night's sleep that your starters didn't get that can surprise some people. You know, you're playing your game in New York that night. Why not go out and enjoy it? It's the city. You're only playing the Jets. Why can't they sneak in nine wins? Wild card. There you go. Nine win wild card wouldn't work. They have to get to ten, but still. Your playoff predictions then with matchups, I know you didn't write this stuff down. If you just want to give me a Super Bowl matchup, you can do that. I'll go that way. Yeah, I'll speed things up here. Let's go ahead and do the West Coast team. Uh, excuse me, the, the the National Football Conference team. I want the Packers. Yeah, you, you mentioned that to me off the air. So you've got Green Bay. And I think Joe Burrow's going back. There you have it. Buffalo, uh, who's the winner? Who's the winner? Joe Burrow's is going to have a ring. Joe Burrow. So I've got Buffalo over L.A., Buffalo over the Los Angeles Rams, and Kevin's got Cincinnati getting it done this time over the Green Bay Packers. Let's do it. Interesting. All right. Quarterbacks. Uh, I didn't jot this down, but MVP Chase. Uh, We'll pick a quarterback. Who's got the best story? I'm going to say Matt Ryan because I like storylines. Why not? Okay. 
I said in my starting of, of everything, and, and I would be definitely up for Matt Ryan getting another MVP for sure, I got to go Josh Allen. Again, it's going to sound like kind of the the non-bold pick and whatever, but for them to do what I think they will and win the Super Bowl, get over the hump in so many ways, based off what he's done the last couple of years, Josh Allen's my MVP. So Packers losing to the Bengals, the uh, Rams losing to the Bills. I've got Josh Allen as my MVP. And he's going with Matty Ice is Kevin, Matt Ryan. Um, And Josh Allen, as of the moment, courtesy of VegasInsider.com, is your favorite. Pat Mahomes and Tom Brady, second and third, Aaron Rodgers. Let's see where Matt Ryan is. Ooh, Matt Ryan is way down the list. Um, I'm all about that big money, baby. Wow. Give give me one that you weren't expecting, you know? You're talking huge. (laughs) <laughs> he's not, he's not even on the list. He's not on the sports book. Yay! That would be the upset of the century, I have a feeling. It could happen. Look at the storyline with that. If he actually manages to get like a 12-win season, throw three, you know, throw for almost 4,000 yards, that could happen. I, I so wanted, again, just where the, the numbers kind of set, it didn't happen, but I so wanted to have Indianapolis in the AFC Championship game because I think they can get there. I think they're that good. Adding Matt Ryan only makes them better. Indy's going to be really good this year, I think. I'm sorry. He's there. He's plus 8,000. Okay. Um, so, about <laughs> midway through the list? Yeah, he's below Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> oh, good Lord. That doesn't seem right. Okay. It'll be fun. We're back it, at it. Football, baby. It will. Do you want to take a break, or do you just want to go into the? Uh, the I got baseball a little bit on football. Just a little. See, my little thing on baseball. That's all I got. Little thing. Okay. All right. I'm getting ready for this hot stove baseball season. Um, sorry, past the hot stove. What does this call this part? Well, it's it's the, the stretch run. It's you know the the, the dog days of summer. You know we're we're in August, heading into September. It's it's really kind of put up or shut up time. Everything's coming together. The flavors are coming together. You know, it's cooling. Everything's melding. It's gelling. It's like fruit and chocolate. I think that as Which you, is a delicious combination, by the way, in my opinion. You can add chocolate to anything. I think... Bacon, too. Sorry to interrupt. It, no, you're right. There's certain I'm, things that are I'm ubiquitous. starting to get hungry. I, ditto. Uh, there's things people I, like, and the thing I like in baseball the best is pitching. And my argument here is that as everything starts to gel, the most valuable player you can have coming into a playoff series is an ace who's a workhorse ace. You get to those seven-game series, they can theoretically go one, four, and seven, depending on your days off and your travel days. Uh, moreover, I think anytime you're going to take a one-off game, a game that matters, a deciding game, give me the better pitcher if you're coming into it. Obviously, the, the team of the better pitcher sleeps better than the night before. My ask to you is of the playoff teams that are coming in, who has that workhorse ace? Who has the best ace of all the teams coming into the playoff stretch? Who's got it, Marcus? I'll have to – you kind of threw me a curveball based off – Just say and, Shane Bieber. It's okay. Just and, say Shane. And, unless, unless you are going to add to the point that we, we talked about earlier. No, I think we have a lot of Ohio fans, and I think you should talk about how important Shane Bieber is as we hit a stretch run. Yeah. Um, 
He definitely is. And I hate to sound biased, but he is he's legit and just think of it this way as long as I don't sneeze um I think I'm okay for the moment think <laughs> uh, think of it this way there were a couple of guys within Cleveland's organization in the span of easily the last 10 years, it wasn't that long, that won the Cy Young. And won it twice. And Shane Bieber, one of those guys. Corey Kluber was the first, and then Shane Bieber. And as long as he's healthy, and he got hurt towards the end of the year last year, as long as he's healthy, Shane Bieber is one of the best pitchers in all of baseball. Um, he is a bulldog. He's a workhorse. He has some power with with certain pitches, and he is the ace of this staff. It was 2020 that he won the Cy Young, so I guess he's only won... Did he win it again last year? I was thinking that he won two, but I, I know for sure that... Uh, I mean, uh, 21 was... Yeah. Go, go ahead and say. Oh, sure. Um, Jump back over. Yeah, I mean, talking about Robbie Ray in the American League and Corbin Burns... You know, the year before that. Uh, before that, of course, is Trevor on the National League side. The year Shane won it, 2020. Who won it in 2019? Who won it in 2019 in the American League? Um, hmm. If you can get that up I'll for me. I'll get it for us. I still don't I, know it. Because I think that, and, and I'm trying to make a point that I could have been wrong by saying that Shane had two. He may only have one. Um. I'm going to look this up, but I'm pretty sure that Corey Kluber won it in 2016 and then in 18, both with Cleveland. All right, here you go. You want the American League? Please. All right, here you go. Okay, it was 14. I'm off on my years. 2014 and 2017, Corey Kluber won it. Shane Bieber won it in 2020, so he only has one, but Kluber had two. And Kluber, or rather, Bieber reminds me a lot of Corey Kluber, just how he took over that staff. And, you know, Kluber's learned from a lot of really good ones as well. You go back to. You know, the days of C.C. Sabathia and even as far back as Bartolo Colon. You sent me some stuff on Pedro Martinez, though. I forgot how good he was in 99 and 2000. Some of those numbers? ERA no higher than two and a half? Lower than two? I think it was in 99. It was 1.74. Yeah. That's ridiculous. 
That's just insane. He had a 1.90 with the Expos as well, coming across the National League. It was the steroid era. He was playing the Yankees. Those Yankees. And you tried to get me to say, I think initially, na- to name a better pitcher, at least in, if not in that era, in all of baseball. I, I said, you don't get any argument from me. <laughs> after, after looking at those numbers and reviewing all that stuff, wow. God bless Absolutely him. Absolutely insane. God bless him. Marcus watched a video of Pedro Martinez striking out probably the best lineup uh, since the Bronx Bombers. I really liked that that uh, Cleveland team, you know, in 1999, especially guys like Harold Baines are hitting, you know, in the deep part of your lineup, at least in the playoffs. Well, it was a it was a very good lineup and it was a very good team. But as a Cleveland fan, I will go back to the first team that I ever saw and that was 95 that lineup pound for pound had a lot of the same guys that the 99 lineup did but it was better agreed uh, I just said that stretch run where Jim Tomey's hitting fifth and you know in the early years Carlos Baerga and then eventually Robbie Alomar from the Blue Jays that all-star comes over um, Travis Fryman coming over from the Tigers you know he was, he was hitting eighth in 99. It's insane. It's insane. The, the talent level that that team had, 1 through 9, is remarkable. Uh, 1 through 10, frankly, if you count the DH. Remember Manny Ramirez? Ever heard of him? Well, he was in right field. That's true. He was playing the outfield. The you guys had players like Harold Baines or Eddie Murray. Harold, in, in the one thing that I saw from that video, Game 5, Harold Baines was the DH. He was batting 6th. But for so many years, I can recite... The first five hitters in the lineup, easily from like 95 to 2000. Kenny Lofton? Kenny Lofton let off. Followed by the shortstop, Omar Vizquel. Or as John Miller would say, Omar Vizquel. Number three in that lineup was Robbie Alomar. And before him, it was at least a few years before him, it was Carlos Baerga. Carlos Baerga. So it was the second baseman regardless. New York Metropolitans, eat your heart out. Number four, I would think, became the Man Ram. Mandy Ramirez was fourth, I want to say, like, starting around 97 or 98. Initially, when he first came up and when I first began, became a fan, he was batting seventh. It's insane. You had Tommy up there. But back in the day, you know, when when things were good and I was getting a little bit older, easily. Lofton, Vizquel, Bayerga, or Alomar, take your pick, both second base, and then... A couple of years later, it became Manny and Tommy four five. Richie Sexton, yeah, was in those late nineties teams Will as Cord- well. Will Cordero, Will Cordero was the left fielder. I remember when he broke his wrist diving for a ball in left field. Ouch! Um, and keep in mind, you haven't even mentioned the Hall of Fame catcher that was there all those years. And that Sandy Alomar, he was always pegged number nine, and he he delivered um, certainly at the plate. Had a lot of issues with his knees um in particularly his right knee but just so much talent there you had Anar Diaz backing up Sandy Alomar for a while Eddie Tobensey or some people like to say Eddie Tobensey I think those people are silly um backing him up as well just so much talent on those teams Holbert Cabrera was was a guy that did some things you know and, and I'm going from mid-90s to into the 2000s, just the, the plethora of guys. But the core was there, and the core is starting to develop for these Cleveland Guardians 
here in 2022. Exciting times. And and I have to ask you, I, I normally do when we talk baseball and when we talk, you know, on this show, what's happening to your Red Sox? I don't want to talk about it. Well, I Fair do, enough. Well, I do want to talk about is Pedro, and poor Marcus endured. Uh, what was the bad guy from the Ninja Turtles name? Not Krang, but the bad guy from the Ninja Turtles. It's where you put your paper in the office. Shredder. Yeah, so you got to watch Pedro. Mar- a- A.K.A., and, and I preferred this name, back with the cartoon. He was known as Shredhead. So I made Marcus. Oh, by the way, yeah. again, I hate to interrupt. Please. James Avery voiced Shredder in the cartoon. Uncle Phil. Uncle Phil from the Fresh Print. My goodness, Marcus, what a nugget. What a what a nugget. <laughs> All I'm trying to say is Pedro Martinez shredded one of the best lineups ever and then went on to do the same thing to a New York Yankees lineup that was, uh, I think, a very similar ilk. Um, I think that when it comes to a playoff series, and that's what we're getting ready for is playoffs in baseball, that having an ace that can pitch exceptionally well and preferably even a second one, thinking back to like those Arizona years where they had Randy Johnson getting followed up by Kurt Schilling, try to beat that for you know four games out of seven. Um, I think the team that's going to win is going to have a great starter like you know, the Dodgers with Biebs looking, I'm sorry, the Dodgers with Kershaw being on fire, or you know that's why the Astros always make me scary is their talent and their pitching. Um, Trevor Bauer is really good. Um, you look at guys that can dominate. I think the Dodgers still probably have the best staff in baseball, but coming out of the American League, I think that it is your Cleveland Guardians baseball team that gets the biggest threat to an extended series because of that ace. Why not? Who's a better ace? It's it's not that that has me looking the way I'm looking Look right the now. Look the way, why? You mentioned Shane Bieber. Uh, not Shane Bieber. You mentioned Trevor Bauer. Oh, he's out of the league. Forgive me. Trevor Bauer is so far gone. And honestly, I'm, I hate to be negative Nancy. I'm not really negative Nancy, but good. But the Dodgers are still super deep, Oi. right? They have Julio Urias? They, the lefty? They, they do, but you know what happened to Walker Bueller. No, he was, I get another excellent pitcher. What happened to him? Walker Bueller's done. I think he had uh, Tommy John. Oh, so he's out for the whole year. UCL, you hear elbow. I said this on Facebook Live. You hear elbow, you think UCL. You hear UCL, Tommy John. All right, so forgive my naivete for these, especially the, what I don't watch the left coast games. You're on too late. You stay up and watch the Mariners and almost dropped last night. Um, <laughs> I, I just think that pitching is everything. Only because they were taking on the Guardians. You got to, when you got to do it. Uh, pitching is so important coming into the playoffs. The Dodgers still have a decent rotation, even with all those. Those knockarounds, isn't that funny? Um, anywho, I think that your Guardians are better than they should be, and look out for the Astros because of their ace as well. I don't like Garrett Cole. That's all I got. Verlander so, with the Astros, of course. Verlander over Cole. Yeah. So our picks at the beginning of the year, you took the Dodgers and Blue Jays, and I took the Dodgers and White Sox. Obviously, things are kind of looking iffy for both of our American League teams. Um, The Dodgers, nobody's going to catch them in terms of the division race. San Diego may end up making the playoffs. I think they will as a wild card. But it's going to be interesting to see who, who gets it out of the American League. Even the New York Yankees are struggling right now. I mean, they're still 30 games over 500, 
but they're struggling. And I don't think Garrett Cole's a a pitcher that can win at you know nine out of ten games in a playoff series. No pitcher really can. But it's you know you want your ace to be a Greg Maddox style, go get a win. Yeah, as close to Smoltz, Mavin, and Glavin as you can get out of performances from your team, and you'll go ahead and get some rings. That's that's Smoltz, Maddox, and Glavin. What did I say? I think you said Gladix. Gladix? <laughs> Put that in the bucket with Weck Wessler and, you know, all the, the Man Manino lines. Um, it, it's going to be interesting. If, if you had to pick right now, and we did this last year, are you going to go with a mulligan in either one of the uh, predictions? We, we did this around this time last year. I think... That right now, I might go instead of, oh gosh. Oh, no, I, I didn't take New York. I took Chicago. Instead of the Chicago White Sox, I think I'm going to take a mulligan. I'm, I'm keeping the Dodgers. But I think instead of the White Sox, I'm going to take a mulligan. I think I'm going to go Houston. Yeah, I because I just give them a little bit more of an edge over New York right now. So, L.A., Houston, I think they met a few years ago in the in the World Series. That very well could happen again. It could be Atlanta. It could be the New York Mets. You know, who knows? But they, they seem to look like they are the, the beast of the American League. I mean, Houston, we did read the story this week that they were cheating even more than we thought they were cheating back in 2017. Not the point. Uh, yeah, they got Verlander. That's pretty much it for me. I mean, Alex Bregman's a legitimate hitter. Um, I like their DH. You know, Jordan Alvarez, I think they're pretty good. So, because we took the same NL team, you're going same mulligan as me, L.A. Houston? No, I'd take the Mets if I could. Okay. I mean, I like L.A. I like L.A. a lot. They have a really deep lineup. I love Mookie Betts. But, no, I think the Mets um, are, are on a per- – I mean, don't get me wrong. They're really good at falling apart in the end of a season. Uh, I'm not sure they have it culturally, but frankly, I'm not sure the Astros have it culturally. So why not? So the uh, just the the fact that we're going Mulligans, you're going Mets and Strohs, and I'm going Dodgers and Strohs. No, I want to no, I want to jump off the Strohs and go with the Blue Jays. My original. OG, okay. OG Jays. You're sticking with Toronto. Give me Jose Berrios three times in the series. Let's New York, Toronto. I'm going LA and Houston. Um, I think that'll uh, that'll about do it for this edition of the Marcus Wall Show. Hope you enjoyed it, folks. Hope everybody's doing well wherever you may be. Thanks to Larry Jackamot, certainly Tyler Brown, and Kevin Libby. For all of us, I'm Marcus Walsh. Thanks for joining us as we just cranked it up. On the Marcus Wall Show. So long, everybody.